we're moving into a new series. It's going to be a short series on the Bible, okay? And we're going to call it The Spirit Speaks because the Holy Spirit spoke and wrote the Bible, okay? And he's God, and so it's God's word, and we talk about that. But I want to tell you this reality is that it's like some ridiculous stat of how many, like, born-again Christians who love Jesus, like, devoted to Jesus, serve Jesus, actually read the Bible. And so, I mean, there's a lot of reasons for that. But we want to lay a foundation that creates opportunity for you to want to read the Bible, for you to, like, be like, oh, Man, I can't wait. I can't wait up. I mean, I'm going to read the Bible before I eat breakfast, or I'm going to, before I watch, you know, the 38th episode of Once Upon a Time, I'm going to read the Bible. And so, that's a great show. Okay, so, um, because God's Word is powerful, God's Word brings transformation. God's Word is living and active. We're going to look at that. God's Word heals, restores all the things that we are all about at River City Church. God's Word leads us to, okay? Now, it has to be empowered by the Spirit, right? Because the Spirit enlightens our heart. Ephesians 1.13 says, the Spirit of God enlightens our heart so that we will know the hope that we have been called to, the riches of His glorious inheritance. And then Ephesians, that's 1.17 and 18. Ephesians 1.13 says, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, you were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit. And so, Again, we look at these passages and it says, man, we're gonna, it's going to help us understand hope. It's going to give us wisdom. It's going to help us have knowledge about who God is. It's going it's, it's to tell us about rich blessings that we get to receive from the Father, all revealed through God's Word and His Spirit. Okay, God's Word and His Spirit. You know, I was in Cuba uh, on a mission trip a while ago, not the last one that I went with Mark and drove 28 hours across the country because they forgot to get plane tickets. But on another trip, that I went there. That's a true story. Another trip that I went there, um, when I was there, the church was young, and I got a word from the Lord. I didn't, I wasn't sure, right? And it was a scripture, and it made no sense to me, zero. And I thought, but I also felt like the Lord said, go back and tell this to the church. So I came back, and um, I just stood up before the church like this. I said, hey, I was in Cuba, and this scripture was given to me, I think, by the Holy Spirit. Does it apply to anyone? And Derek and Beth Harmon were sitting in the crowd. No one else. There was like stone-faced all around. I'm like, oh, boy, loser. Got that one wrong. And Derek and Beth Harmon were sitting in the crowd. And the scripture had to do with um, God's love or the church or his people moving from the river to the sea. And they had been praying about God planting them in the ocean, at the ocean, to start a church. And they just start bawling. I mean, they just lose it as a result of this word, empowered by the Spirit. They go home, literally, put a for sale sign in front of their house, and end up moving to the beach a few months later. And then, you know, and the rest is history. And we've launched a church that they, you know, that we planted with Derek and Beth Harmon out at the beach called Ocean City, Ocean City Church. The power of God's word, when it's empowered by the spirit, brings transformation, brings life, brings hope. All of those things, all of those things. You know, at River City Church, one of the things we say is that we are grounded in the word and empowered by the spirit. Okay. What we actually, a better statement, but it's so confusing we don't say it, is that we are actually 
uh, grounded in the Spirit and empowered by the Spirit. We're grounded in the Spirit and we're empowered by the Spirit because the Holy Spirit is the one who wrote the Bible. The Holy Spirit, God, spoke. The Bible was written, right? It's the Word of God. So that's what we're grounded in. We are grounded in the words of the Holy Spirit, okay? And then we are also empowered by the spoken word, the revealed word of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit tells us and the word that he wrote should always be consistent with the words that he says, okay? And so the Bible is is an important thing. It's a very important thing to us as believers because it is a foundation. It's a foundation in a culture that changes. It is a foundation. The truth doesn't change. The truth stays the same always. Truth in the time of Jesus about what life was like, about how to discover life, about how to experience life to the full, about how to follow God, about, you know, things about who God is, about who we are, what God expects of us, what the church should be like. All of these things that were truths back then are truths today, okay? Now, culture changes, but truth doesn't change. Culture changes, but truth doesn't change, and God's word that the Holy Spirit wrote is 100% true, cannot lie to us, cannot fail us, says to us that if you are not grounded in the word of God, then you are going to be tossed back and forth by every wind of doctrine, by every cultural change that comes. You are going to allow your feelings to move you into those places. And that's how the enemy twists things. So let's say that you're a loving and compassionate person, right? And you feel led to go join or participate in something that is inconsistent with the Bible. And you go, man, but I really feel like this is right. This, this feels so right. I'm a believer of the spirit of me. I mean, it just feels so right, right? I mean, we all struggle with this. But the Bible is given so that we can weigh up the things that we feel against the truth. Because, again, the truth doesn't change, but our feelings do. I mean, you eat a bad burrito, and you're like, you're not feeling good, you know? I went to the hospital this week with chest pains. I was having a heart attack. It was a bad burrito. It was a bad burrito. Seriously, it was was bad food. And it's one of those situations like, man, I kind of hope there's something wrong with my heart because I'm embarrassed if it's just like acid indigestion. But then you're like, I don't want anything wrong with my heart, right? Well, that's where I was this week, you know? And so anyway... But things happen in our life, our feelings change, we have a fight with our wife, or a fight with a boyfriend or girlfriend or a friend or whatever, and we're emotional, and, then we, and something happens, and we allow our feelings to dictate truth. My son and I this week, Blake, uh, he, uh, he, he, he has gotten into cars, right? And so he just starts taking it apart. He buys stuff and starts taking it apart. And I'm like, oh, snap, that's my car, and I got to go see what's going on. And so we were taking all the pulleys off, and we're, like, rearranging them so that there's more horsepower, which he really needs as a 16-year-old driving a car. And so we take them all off, and we get to the crankshaft, this massive bolt where the engine turns. It spins all the belts, right? But it spins, and so you can't take it off unless you have the special tool, which we don't have. So what do we do? We go on YouTube. We go on YouTube and find, like, Billy Bob, who says, if you don't have the right tools, this is how you can get the crankshaft off. What you do is you get a cheated rod, you bank it on something, you put it on something hard, you go and crank the engine, and that will loosen the bolt. 
So Blake and I are like, heck yeah, man, we're doing this. If we actually do this, we are going to be legends, all right? And so we, like, set it up. We don't have a cheater bar, so we have, like, three pieces of metal, you know, practically duct taped together. And I go get in the car. It's jacked up on an incline. I say, Blake, get the flashlight. We don't even know which way the wheel turns. Back up. I go in, crank the engine, and just things fly everywhere, right? Because I don't know what I'm doing. I have no idea what I'm doing because I'm not a mechanic. I mean, Master mechanics, even if they go to school, they're trained, eventually they'll forget about certain parts on a car, right? And so they have to go back to the owner's manual, the user manual, the person who built the car designed, or who designed the car and and built the car, and they can go back there and read about what's wrong and how to fix it, right? And so imagine if you show up to pick up your car from the brakes being done, and the the master mechanic goes, oh, glad you're here. Seems to be running fine, but I have these four bolts and two washers. I'm not sure where they go. I'm not sure, you know, the, the, the car seems to be working fine. Would you get in your car if, if they said that about your brakes? No, there's no way you would. You'd be like, homeboy, go back, find out, go to the owner's manual, find out where these go so that my car will work as it should work. Okay, you see where this is going, right? So like, Our life is designed to work a certain way. God is like the master, master mechanic, forgets nothing. But if he did, he wrote it down for us, but he doesn't. He wrote it down for us in the Bible, and he says, look, look, look. Here it is. This is how your life is supposed to run. This is the source for you to go to when things in your life get jacked up, when things get out of kilter, when things get chaotic, when there is brokenness, Here is my word spoken by God, the Holy Spirit, for you to know how to have life in the Spirit, how to live a life that is full of life. You see, that's what reading the Bible is all about. It's not about a discipline. It's not about going to it. I checked it off. It's about going to God's word, allowing the Spirit to enlighten our hearts so that we experience freedom. We experience life to the full. We experience hope and joy and all the things that God our Father wants for us, okay? And so what we're going to do is I'm going to look at a few verses. This is the very, very beginning of the Bible, Genesis 1, verses 1 and 2, okay? This is, this is epic, okay, because it's just like God's Word. It's amazing how God talks about how powerful His Word is at the very, very beginning of the Bible. So if you have a Bible, get it out. If you have an iPhone with a Bible, get it out. We love the Bible. This is my Bible. I love having real Bibles, not that your phone isn't a real Bible, because I work on it. I use it. I destroy it. And I pray that one day I'll meet someone, share the gospel with them, and I'll just give them my Bible. So I don't get, I don't get caught up in my actual Bible, but I do get caught up in the Word. And it's important. I would encourage everyone to have a real Bible, to have a paper Bible that you carry around, that you have, that you flip through, and, and, and outline and write on, all of those things that we can't do with a media Bible or whatever, okay? So if you don't have a Bible, you can take one. Th- th- this is the Bible right here. There's Bibles in the back of your chair. Now flip through at the very, very, very beginning. There's not even a page number on this page, right? Flip through and you'll see Genesis, okay? Genesis, Genesis 1, and it says this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Okay, this is pretty cool. So this is what's happening, is that 
before anything was created, it says that there was, there's this word up there that um, says without form and void and darkness. Okay, without form and void and darkness. And it's this Hebrew word, tohu avabohu, tohu avabohu. I don't even know how to say it, right? There it is. You try to say it, tohu avabohu. And this is what it means, a formless waste where there's absolutely nothing whatsoever. It says it means void, vacancy, chaos. So that's what existed, right? That's what existed before God created the world. And it is totally empty, nothing there, no life, total jacked upness, okay? And so this is what happens. And then the next part of the verse says that the Spirit's hovering over the waters, and, and the picture you get in this is like a helicopter hovering, okay? It's like if you imagine a dark, dark lake with, the, you know how the fog goes over it? And it's hovering over the water, so it's not like flapping its wings. It's not moving. It's just hovering there over the water. But it says about this, as the spirit hovered, it was like a, a, an expectant mother, an expectant mother waiting for the father to do something, waiting and anticipating something's getting ready to happen, it's going to be awesome. Let's just see what it is. And what happens? Okay, in verse 3, it says this. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. Oh, I thought it was interesting that God separated the first thing, light from darkness without the sun. What? How does that happen, right? So God separates light and darkness. And he says, and God said, how did that happen? Spirit's waiting. The Father speaks. He said, and it happened. And then in verse 11, 14, 24, 20, 9, 26, 29, creation was born. It was born out of God's word. And God said, and God said, and God said, and God said, and God said. And in the Bible, it's what God said. Creation comes from the word of God. Creation comes from God speaking. Life comes from God speaking. Order comes from God speaking. God speaks and his word changes everything. What was for a formless waste, it has now shape and purpose. What was absolutely nothing whatsoever is absolutely everything that you can imagine. What was void and vacant is filled and contained and sealed in. Where there is chaos, there is now order. God's word went out created the universe, created everything, and created order where there is chaos, right? And so this promise is the same for us. We were lost. We were in darkness. There was chaos in our life. There was no light. There was, there was you know, every kind of emptiness and vacancy in our heart. We were longing for something that we didn't know what it was. We were going to the world for these things. And what happens? God speaks, his spirit comes and speaks to us and pulls us into the kingdom of God and brings life to us and his creation where the old is gone, the new has come. It says in 2 Corinthians, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. We are his new creation. He has taken what was dead, empty and vacant in each of us and brought life to us. Without the word of God, we would not know this. There's general revelation that we say nobody is without excuse about knowing with, about who God is because we can look at creation. But creation cannot tell us about Jesus. Creation cannot speak to us about how we get to salvation, how we grow in Christ. Only God's word can. 
And so if we're a new creation, it's only because of the word of God. He is spoken to us. We come to him, but it's by God's word. He said, Antley, come here. He said, there is life in Jesus Christ. There is life to the full. Come here. He said, he said, he said. How many of you, your most powerful experience in your walk with Christ was whenever you say, yeah, I was down there receiving ministry and I felt like the Holy Spirit said this. I was reading the word of God and God said this to me. I'd read it a hundred times and God said this to me. It was so powerful. There's nothing more powerful in the transformation of our life on the walk to Jesus, the walk with Jesus, and as we grow in Jesus, than the word of God. The word of God, it's the only thing. It's the most powerful thing. Either spoken directly through the spirit or spoken through the word. It's, it, it, it's, it's essential. It's not like an option. It's just not. It's not an option. We might treat it like an option, but it's not an option. And then in Hebrews 4.12, it says this. This may be the most famous verse about the word of God. It says, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. You know, this is like, a, this is like surgical language, right? And what it's saying here is like God the great physician looks into our heart, discerns our heart. God, the Holy Spirit, looks into our heart, discerns our heart, discerns, sees in our life, where do I need to do surgery? Where do I need to cut in and restore so that Antley will work as he was created to work? He will run as he was created to run. He will live as I, the creator, the builder of his body and his life and his soul and his spirit and his heart were created for He sees me, he moves in with his word, and he just gets to the place in my soul and my heart so that I'm transformed, so that I'm changed, so that I'm renewed, so that I work as I'm created to work. Jesus says in Matthew 7, you know, there's a story of, um, he's talking to the crowd about the storms of life, and he says, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them, not just hears them, but does them, is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And then what happens? The storms, the storms come and the house stands. Why? Because Jesus says, I built, I heard these words, these truths spoken to me through the spirit, written down in the word of God, and I banked on it. I, I, I have grounded myself in it. So the storms come, I'm good. Now the The opposite is true, too. He goes on to say, and if anyone hears my word and doesn't do it, storms come. See you later, alligator. After a while, crocodile, because you're going down. You're going down. That's what Jesus says. Now, none of us want to live a life that's going down. We want to live a life that weathers the storms of life. Jesus says, yeah, hear my words, do my words, and your house will rock through the storm. No huffing and no puffing will blow that house down. Right? And so that's what that, that's Jesus' thing, right? Okay, so why don't we do this? Why, I, can't, I can't, like, why don't we do this? Right? Why? I mean, this is like, okay, and I know. Zip it. I get it. Okay? But why don't we do this? If we go on and we continue to read Genesis, we go to 3, verses 1 through 5, and it says this. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field, that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say that? 
you shall not eat the tree, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden and the women said to the serpent we may eat of we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden but god said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden neither shall you touch it lest you die but the serpent said to the woman you will not surely die for god knows that when you eat of it your eyes will be open and you will be like god this is in this is the beginning of creation the very 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 beginning of creation why is it hard why are we not drawn to the word naturally for the same reason that adam and eve the same lies that they believed that led them away from trusting god lead us away from trusting god there are two things that led them to rebel against god first he said to the woman he said to the woman did god actually say that did god actually say that i mean is the bible really true antley that was the beginning of satan of the enemy telling us you can't trust god you can't trust this word do what you want do what you feel trust your heart right just love 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 and so we struggle to trust god the same way adam and eve did because he challenges us and he says did god really say that that was the beginning of our struggle and trusting the word of god the second thing he says and this is the hard one right as he says, you will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat it, your eyes will be open and you'll be like God. Man, it's a lot more fun being God than it is trusting God. It's a lot more fun being in control of our life than trusting God with control of our life. It's a lot more fun to do what we see the world doing than it is to do what God says we will do. Why? Because Jesus says, well, they're going to persecute like, like they persecuted me. You have to die to yourself. You lose your rights. Come and follow me. Pick up your cross. Come and follow me. I don't want to do that. Right? So I'll just like, yeah, I want to be my own God. I want to do my own thing. But we remain broken. We never become who God's created us to be. You know, when we go through a book of the Bible like we do, like we did with Ephesians, you know, we have to ask the question, is this really true, and do I believe it? And if I believe it, am I going to allow God to be God and obey it? So do I believe it's God's word? Do I believe it's from God for my best interest, for my healing, restoration, so that I'll run, run right? And then if I do, am I going to obey it? Am I going to obey God's word so that my house, so that my life is built on the rock and not on the sand? Is God's word really true? You know, we look at the Bible, many of us, we say, man, it's outdated. It's not culturally relevant. It's a really truth there. I mean, it's good suggestions. I don't understand it. Uh, you, know, you know, I never read it. When I do read it, it's just kind of lame or whatever. I don't have time. You know, 38th episode of Once Upon a Time's coming up, and I'm just not going to do that. You know, maybe I'll watch the movie or, you know, Ben-Hur. Yeah, I'll do that, Right? When we don't let God's word ground us, our foundation for life will be unstable. God's word does not change. God's word is always faithful. There are attributes about God and truths about God, and you've heard me say this recently, that, that, that communicate things like God can never, he's unable to fail you. 
He is unable to lead you astray. He is unable to let you down. He is unable to, you know, to give you anything but life. God can only give you life. God can only love you. God can only bless you. And so the Bible is a source for us to receive that, to, you know, and, and to embrace that and to live by that so that we will run the way God has created us to run. We will have order where there is chaos in our life. He can bring peace. He can bring rest. Even though nothing changes in our life, nothing changes in our life. We go to his word, and somehow the spirit interacts with it. The spirit inside of us engages, and we find peace and rest in the midst of difficulty, in the midst of struggle, which we all have in our life. You know, it says, Jesus tells us, each of you are going to go through storms of life. Every single person will go through storms of life. And he says, if you want to survive, then look at my word, read my word, believe my word, and build your house on my word, and you will. Let's stand.